This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Evan Havens and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Probably experienced a craving. And for all of us, that'll probably look different. For instance, my wife, we have two kids. And when my wife was pregnant with my daughter, she craved vanilla Dr. Pepper. Now, for some, that might not seem too extravagant, except for that my wife hates soda. She hates Dr. Pepper, she hates Coke, she hates Sprite, she does not like it. But for some reason, when she was pregnant with Ellie, vanilla Dr. Pepper. I made so many runs to Sonic, I think they sent me a Christmas card. I mean, it was crazy. So when my son, when she was pregnant with my son a couple years later, you would think she craved the same thing, I guess. I don't know much about these, but she craved salad. Our house was constantly stocked with salad. I, I would go, every time I went to the grocery store, she'd say, don't forget the salad. It was almost every night she was eating a bowl of salad. It was the weirdest thing. My mom, she's here in the service. I am 30 years old, and for as many years as I can remember, I have made fun of my mom. Because when she was pregnant with, I don't know who it was, one of the nine of us, she craved tortilla chips and butter. I mean, she'd be sitting on the couch, tortilla chip bag over here, tub of butter over here. It's not salsa, it's butter. And she would dip them in. Don't worry, she has completely renounced her unhealthy ways. She's good now. She's been delivered. We still make fun of her. She knows we love her, though. So maybe you're the type of person and, and you just crave food all the time. I have a brother like this. My man is constantly eating. I mean, he'll eat dinner. And before anybody else can finish eating dinner, he's already got a bowl of Cheerios with a banana in it. We're still sitting down eating our first course, and he's already got his fifth course out. He's eating snacks. He's eating right before bed. He's eating as soon as he wakes up. He just eats constantly. And there's some people that have different kinds of cravings. Some people, maybe their parents weren't really there when they were growing up, and those types of people really crave attention. Actually, I was a school teacher for five years and I taught middle school. And throughout my five years, there was at least one kid every year that really struggled in the behavior area. And all of the person's teachers would be so frustrated. And you know what? Almost 100% of the time, I could trace that problem behavior back to, and they're craving attention. Some of us crave love. Some of us crave affection. But as humans, all of us at times, we crave something. I was standing right over there a few months ago, and I was praying during lunch one day, and the Lord literally downloaded this entire message in an instant. As soon as I was done praying, I walked back over to my office, and I typed the entire thing out without stopping. This word from the Lord that I have for you guys tonight, he's wanting to speak to you. It has changed the way that I view God. It's changed the way that I view myself. It's changed the way that I view my relationship with him. And my prayer for you tonight is that it does the same in your heart. That after tonight, you can say, I have a deeper relationship with the Lord and I understand my relationship with him better. So I've got three things for you tonight. And the first point is a question that I wanna ask you. What are you craving? Point number one, what are you craving? See, my wife craved Dr. Pepper and then salad. But what are you craving tonight? See, in the natural, whenever we go longer without eating, our cravings get louder. 
If you've ever had to skip lunch for any reason at all, you know this to be absolutely true. At 12 o'clock, your stomach tells you, you know what, I'm a little bit hungry. I could really go for some food. By one o'clock, you're really starting to crave Chick-fil-A. By three o'clock, you're getting to the point, and this is the point of no return, in my family we call it hangry. There's a couple of our family members that get hangry and you can, you can see it in their eyes. There's just a shift inside here somewhere and that means get them food now or you're about to pay. But all of us can experience that. Whenever we get hungrier and hungrier, those cravings get louder. We desire the food more. But in the spiritual realm, whenever you don't feed your spirit for longer and longer periods of time, those cravings get quieter and quieter and quieter until some of us have gone weeks or months or years without feeding our spirit and now we don't even realize that we're not fed anymore. We don't crave being in the presence of God like we used to. We don't crave being in his word like we used to because as time's gone on and we've stopped being in his presence, the craving for the presence of God has gotten softer and softer. See, they work the opposite way. Can you imagine if you went years without feeding your natural man, if that were even possible, if you'd even survive, you would be so hungry, so desperate just to get some taste of food inside of you. You would be begging for food. You would be begging for somebody just to feed you. But many of you sitting in this room right now have gone years without feeding your spirit. And though you are desperate, you don't realize it because those cravings are quieted. Some of you have used to have a consistent prayer life and now your prayer life is whenever you need something or whenever you are about to eat. So why is this? Why is it that when in the natural, our cravings get louder and louder whenever we don't eat, but in the spiritual realm, when we don't feed our spirit, our cravings get quieter? Here's why. Turning your Bibles to James. James chapter four and verse eight. And I'm gonna read out of a newer version of the Bible called the Passion Translation. And that'll be up on the screen. In James 4, chapter eight, it says, move your heart closer and closer to God and he will come even closer to you. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. See, I love this thought. It says, move your heart closer and closer to God. A couple of things I noticed from that. One, it says move. It's a choice that we make. I choose that I'm gonna walk this way. I, even when I'm in my car, I choose which direction it moves. To move something is a choice. So move your heart closer and closer to God. It's a progression. But then that verse says, and he will move even closer to you. So here's the picture I get. I, in my human limitations, manage to inch towards God, and he moves even closer to me. And then I get an opportunity to inch closer to him, and he moves even closer to me until we're at this point where my relationship with God is a place where I crave him day and night. I want to be in his presence. I want to be in his word. I want to pray. I want to worship whether I'm at church or not. So God doesn't draw near to us just because we ask him to. He doesn't draw near to us just because we want him to. He doesn't even draw near to us just because we need him to. 
He draws near to us because we draw near to him. It's a conscious effort and it's a choice that we make. And you know, I thought about it this way the other day. I, at points in my life, have really liked working out. And I even built a gym in my garage and it's awesome. Right now in my life, I don't use that gym. It, it sits there and I, you know, don't use it. And I wish I did because I really wanna be in great shape and I wanna be fit and I, and I wanna be able to run really far and not get so tired. And right now I get tired when I walk upstairs and I don't like that. But you know what, it takes work. And right now in my life, I'm not willing to put the work in. And sometimes we expect, you know, to be fit just takes a little bit of effort. And if, man, if I'll just change this one little thing, I'll be fit. But it takes work, it takes effort. Pastor Stormy is one of the most disciplined and diligent people I have ever met in my entire life. He is almost 60 years old and to this day he works out six days a week. He can bench press like over 200 pounds, it's crazy. But because he's done it his whole life, he's consistent, he's diligent. And I can't expect to, you know, haphazardly every once in a while go out in my garage and lift a couple of things and I'm gonna be in great shape too. It's hard work. You know what, it's the same thing with the spiritual world. world. To have a close relationship with God, to draw close to God, to make that choice, it's not just like I'm gonna decide one day, you know what, I really wanna be close to God, I think I will do that. No, it's a daily choice. Every day I walk in his promises. Every day I, I make a choice to spend time with him. Every day I choose whether I feel like it or not. I'm gonna be in his word, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna worship him, I'm gonna give him thanks even when the situation doesn't look like I should be giving thanks. I'm gonna say there's no one higher, there's no one greater, there's no one like our God. But it's a choice and it's hard work. So ask yourself, what are you really craving today? And be honest with yourself. Do you crave the things of God or are you kind of okay without them sometimes? What are you craving? So point number two is a principle that I've discovered. And it's this, that we crave what we feed on. So number two, we crave what we feed on. I found this to be ultimately true in my life with sweet tea. I have a prior love for sweet tea. And it was, a, it was an extreme love for sweet tea. My mom would make two gallons anytime she invited us over to eat because she knew that I would drink one and the rest of the family could drink the other. I mean, I would have my sweet tea during dinner, I would get a refill during dinner, then after dinner I would have a cup to carry around the house with me, and when I left her house to go home, I would have my other, another cup. I literally drank a whole gallon every time I was there. Then I would have my wife make sweet tea, I would go to Sonic and get sweet tea, I would go to Chicken Express and get sweet tea. I just craved sweet tea all the time, and I was constantly feeding on sweet tea. Well, fast forward, to where I'm not as young anymore. I still consider myself very young, but I go to the doctor and they say to me, they do my blood work and they say, Mr. Havens, do you drink a lot of sweet beverages? And what I should have probably said to be totally honest was that is an understatement. But what I said was, well, I mean, I guess you could say that I drink a lot of sweet beverages maybe. And so the person said, the doctor says, I can tell you drink a lot of sweet beverages because there's no way to get that much sugar in your diet without drinking a lot of sweet beverages. And I was like, is that good? So he says, you, sir, in your early 20s are showing signs of being at risk for early onset heart disease if you don't change something. And I'm like, well, 
like decently in shape and I'm like 23. I'm like this, seriously? And so I knew I had to make a change because that does not sound like, a, a, you know, something that I want to be a part of. And so I decided I'm not going to drink sweet tea anymore. Did I still crave sweet tea? Yes. And so I decided to find a substitute. And so I was like, I'll try unsweet tea. It's got to be similar, right? No, not similar. So I start to drink unsweet tea. I'm pretty sure I spit it out the first time I tried it. It was terrible. I took it. It tasted bitter. I, I like, why do people drink this stuff is what my thought was. And so I, I throw it out. I'm like, I'm just going to drink water. This is terrible. But I like sweet tea so much. I wanted to like tea. I wanted our relationship to continue. So I get another cup of sweet tea. And this time I got the whole thing down. But I hated it. And so... I don't know why I kept trying it, but I kept trying sweet tea or unsweet tea. So I try another cup and this time I tolerate it and it's just like, eh. And over time, I start to kind of like, even if I didn't admit it at first, I kind of liked unsweet tea. And I fed on it more and I kept drinking it, unsweet tea, unsweet tea, until I came to a place where I actually liked unsweet tea. This is a true story. Like people think I make this up. It's true. I really did like it. It tasted good to me. And so then I started to prefer unsweet tea. I would take a drink of my wife's sweet tea on accident because the cups looked the same. And it, I would be like, oh, what is that? It would be repulsive to me. And now I crave unsweet tea. Now my mom has to make a gallon of unsweet tea and a gallon of sweet tea. I drink the unsweet tea. Everybody else gets the other one. And I do the same thing. I get a cup of unsweet tea when I get there, a cup of unsweet tea at dinner, a cup of unsweet tea when I leave. But I literally crave it. Why? because we crave what we feed on. What about entertainment? How many of you guys have ever tried to watch one episode of one show on Netflix? And you say to yourself, okay, it's, you know, whatever time at night, I could watch one show before bed. And so whatever your show is, you know, The Walking Dead or Stranger Things or whatever your show is, you're like, I'm gonna watch one episode. Well then, you know, thank you Netflix, as soon as your episode ends, they just go ahead and start the next one for you. So that happens, and it starts, and you're like, oh, I should go to bed, but, well, this one already started, so I'll just finish it up, until you realize you finished the entire series of whatever show you're watching, you binge watch the whole thing, and now it's 4 o'clock in the morning, you got to be at work in two hours, and you haven't slept a wink. Am I the only one that that's happened to, or, or there's others? Okay, good. Why? Why does that happen to us? Well, we crave what we feed on. So when you constantly feed yourself on those Netflix shows, you want more. You want another episode and another episode. This principle is true. What about social media? Again, perhaps I'm the only one, but have you ever said, you know, I need to check on them on Facebook, whoever this person is. And so you look on their Facebook and you're like, I'm just going to look at their profile. Well, you see that they've got a mutual friend of your mutual friend's mutual friend. And all of a sudden you're looking at their Facebook profile. Then you start scrolling through your timeline and you're like, just one more swipe and then I'm going to let it scroll through and I'll be done. Oh, but something at the bottom looks really interesting. Let me scroll up there. Oh, you know what? Let me just keep. And all of a sudden it's been three hours and you've been scrolling through Facebook and you've wasted like half your day. Why? Because we crave what we feed on. And if you feed on social media, you're going to crave social media. What about addictions? Any of you in this room who have ever identified as an alcoholic or have struggled with alcohol, you didn't become an addict after your first sip. You didn't become an addict after your second sip. Actually, it was probably repulsive to you at first. 
You probably took a sip of alcohol and it was disgusting to you. You may have spit it out like I did unsweet tea. But you kept trying it and all of a sudden you can drink a bottle and then you can drink a couple and then you start to like it and then it becomes part of your life and then you crave it so much that you become addicted to it. What about sexual sin? See, in my life, sexual sin came in the form of pornography. And when I was very young, I was in my school library and there was this, I was wanting to learn how to draw and so I found this book in the library about how to draw. And so I'm going through the book and I'm teaching myself how to draw in my spare time and I come to a part in this book that has how to draw naked women and completely innocently, I saw those images. I immediately closed the book, put it back on the shelf, left the library. But those thoughts and those pictures were in my mind. I had fed on them, even for just a little bit. And so I started to crave more and more and more and more until it became a full-blown addiction in my life. And even though I knew that it was causing damage to my heart, and even though I knew that it was causing damage to my relationship with God and damage to my future marriage, I kept doing it. Even though I didn't want to, I kept doing it. Why? Because I continued to crave what I was feeding on. And when you start to starve those things, and when you stop feeding on them, then the cravings will get quieter. And when you start feeding on the things of God, then those cravings will get louder in your spirit. So number two, we crave what we feed on. Point number three tonight, I want to lead you to another question. And remember I told you at the beginning, I want you to search your own heart. So number three is this question. So what are you feeding on? I asked you what you were craving. And then we talked about the truth that we crave what we feed on. So what are you feeding on? What do you spend your time doing? We've all got 24 hours in a day. Every single one of us. God has created us to have to do certain things. We all have to sleep. We all have to eat. There's certain things that we just can't get around as far as what we spend our time on. We all have family or friends, and we spend time with our family and friends. We spend time developing those relationships. But then there's the flexible time, that time where we really get to choose what we want to do. Maybe for some of us, we spend multiple hours every single day watching TV or Netflix. Maybe for some of us, there's a hobby that we spend a lot of our time doing. Maybe you're an avid golfer or there's some other sport that you like to play and you spend a lot of your time doing that. Maybe you really like online shopping or even just online window shopping. So you're constantly looking on Amazon or whatever, any of those other sites. Maybe you love social media. You love keeping up with all your friends and all your family, and so you spend a lot of your time scrolling through social media. Maybe for you it's video games. You spend a lot of time playing video games every day. See, none of these things are inherently sinful. It's not sinful to go golfing. It's not sinful to scroll through Facebook. It's not sinful to watch a wholesome show on Netflix. But when we spend so much time on those things and we neglect the things of God, then we begin to crave the things of this world and our cravings for the spiritual things get quieted. See, do you tell God either by your words 
or by your actions, God, I don't have time for you. While at the same time, you do somehow have time for Netflix, Facebook, video games, golfing. See, this is something that I had to check my own heart on when the Lord was speaking this to me. I would say those things. Oh, man, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't get time for you today. I, I meant to. I wanted to. I wanted to read the word this morning, but I just woke up a little too late. I'm sorry. I wanted to spend time praying and seeking your face for this big decision that's coming up in my life, but I, it's time for bed now, and if I don't go to sleep now, I'm not gonna wake up on time. I'm sorry, God. But I watched two or three episodes of my favorite show on Netflix, and my screen time on my iPhone said four hours. But yet I don't have time for God. And that was because, in me, I was craving the things that I was feeding on. I was craving Netflix because I was watching an episode of a show every night. I was craving social media because every time I had a spare three seconds, I was pulling out my phone and looking at it. And I wasn't craving the word of God and the presence of God because on a daily basis, I was neglecting it. And the cravings for him got quieted in my heart. The children of Israel had a very similar experience. Right when they were freed from slavery in the book of Exodus, They went into the wilderness. And I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. See, they were craving something better to eat. The Lord had provided manna to them, but they wanted something different, and so they complained. And God was gracious, and he sent them quail so they could eat meat. And then they complained about that. They complained about not having water. They even complained and said they wanted to go back to Egypt. They said, we had it so good there. It was awesome. We got all the food we could eat. It was like a buffet in a hotel. They didn't remember that they were slaves and they were worked to the bone and some of them died because they were worked so hard. But because they refused to feed on the presence of God, they weren't craving him. Actually, God came to them and, and he wanted to speak to the whole nation of Israel. And the Israelites said, you know what, actually, we would rather... Moses, if you would talk to God for us, you hear his voice, and then you just tell us what he said. We don't want to talk to God. And it grieved the heart of God. But Moses was different. Moses did crave the presence of God. Moses craved the presence of God because he had had an encounter with God that changed him forever. And when the Lord spoke to him in the burning bush, he met with God. And let's pick up in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I will give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Now let's pause right there for a second. The Lord is saying, Moses, we've been wandering around the desert for a little bit. Go to the promised land. Take all the Israelites and you guys go to the promised land. To further that, I'm going to send my angel. You're not going to have to do anything. He's going to drive out all of your enemies. You guys just get to go to the land flowing with milk and honey. Congratulations. My gift to you. And that's what the Israelites all wanted. That's why they were all in this thing. They wanted to go to the promised land. 
They wanted the, the milk and the honey. They wanted all the, the benefits and the blessings. They wanted all of the natural things. But there was a catch here in verse three. And God says, go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you're a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. I truly believe that even saying that, if God would have offered this to the Israelites, they would have took this in a heartbeat. Oh man, well, hey, we're really gonna miss you, God, but thank you so much. We've been craving these things and now we get to go and you're gonna send your angel before us. Thank you so much, goodbye. But Moses didn't crave the blessings of God. Moses didn't crave the things that God could give him. Moses craved the presence of God. We're gonna pick up in verse seven. And this is gonna reveal to us why Moses craved God's presence. It says, it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand at the entrance to their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. Verse nine. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover over its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. You see, even still, they're not willing to draw near to God. Verse 11 says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Moses made it a practice to set up the tent of meeting. And every time the Israelites moved to a different location, he had to make that choice. I'm gonna set up the tent of meeting. Nobody made him do it. He wanted a relationship with God. And he knew that to have a relationship with God, he had to have a meeting place with God, a meeting time with God. Somebody told me this one time and it's really affected me and helped me in my life. They said, you wanna be close to God, you wanna draw close to God, make an appointment with him and keep it. You see, too many times we give God our leftovers and hey, you know what, Lord, if I've got something left at the end of the day, then I will give that to you. My challenge to you today is to make an appointment with God. Whether that's in the morning when you wake up or that's right before you go to bed or whatever the time may be. When I was working at, at the school, one of my appointments with the Lord was during my lunch break. And I started in my last year teaching there, instead of eating in the teacher lounge with all the other teachers, which is where you hear all the negative things about everything going on, I spent time in my classroom by myself with God. And I kept that appointment every single day. Another one of my appointments is in the morning as soon as I wake up. And yes, I miss that appointment sometimes. Sometimes I sleep through my alarm or whatever the case may be and I miss it at times. But my goal is to keep my appointments with the Lord. So like I said, the Israelites would have taken God's offer in a heartbeat, but look at what Moses said. Skip down to verse 15. Because Moses craved the presence of God instead of the blessings that God was bringing them, it says, then Moses said, God, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. You know what the place he was talking about? The wilderness, the desert, the place where every person wore the exact same pair of clothes for 40 years, 
the place where they only had two things to eat, manna, which is like bread, and quail. The place where they just wandered around aimlessly, not knowing when they would reach the promise, that's the place where Moses said, don't make me leave here if you're not going with me. I so crave your presence. I so crave you, God, that you can give me all the blessings in the world. You could give me everything, and I just want you. And I wonder if that's something that you can say tonight. There's been times in my life where I would much rather have had blessings than a relationship with God. But right now in my life, I've spent time in the presence of God every day. I've spent time reading the word. I've spent time praying. I've spent time worshiping, not at church, but in my room, at my house by myself. And I've begun to crave the Lord. I've begun to crave his word. Now when I open up the word of God, it's not like a duty to me. I don't do it because I have to. I open it up at my kitchen table and there's a love for this word that fills my heart. I don't spend time with God out of duty anymore. I spend time with him because I crave him. Psalm 34 and verse eight. You can turn there, I'm just gonna read it quickly. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Try him out. Make an appointment with him and keep it every day. Spend time in the word. Spend time in his presence. Spend time praying. Spend time worshiping and see that you begin to crave him and that he's good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. My favorite chapter in all of the Bible is Psalms 27. I love this whole chapter. But verse 8 sums this up in such an incredible way. I'm going to read this again out of the Passion Translation. This is David saying this. And he says, here's the one thing I crave from God. The one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house. Finding the sweet loveliness of his face. Filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. Wow, his heart. God, you could give me blessings. You could, give, you could give me finances. You can give me a new job. You can give me a great place to live. You can give me a great family, a great church. But honestly, the one thing that I crave is to be with you. And David, there are 150 Psalms in the Bible. And David wrote most of those. He spent so much time in God's presence. He knew God unlike any other person on earth. And he says, I crave the presence of God. And so I wonder what would happen if you made a choice that just like working out, that you're gonna work at this. You're gonna discipline yourself. You're gonna set an appointment with God and you're gonna keep it. And even when it doesn't feel fun, and even when right now it feels like maybe it's an obligation, that you're gonna continue to walk in his word and you're gonna continue to walk in a life of prayer and you're gonna notice that you start to crave God. and You start to crave his presence. But If you were to evaluate yourself right now, how hungry are you for the things of God? How hungry are you for his word? How hungry are you to spend time in his presence? Evaluate your heart. Evaluate your life. 
and then taste and see that he's good. And watch your cravings change in your heart. It may take getting rid of some things that aren't necessarily sinful, but that make you crave the things of this world. Maybe you say, you know what? I like Netflix a lot, but I'd rather learn to crave the presence of God. Maybe you say, man, I love looking at my phone all the time. I'm really proud my screen time is seven hours a day. But you make a choice and you say, you know what? I crave that right now, but I'd much rather crave the presence of God. Begin to feed on his presence, begin to feed on his word. I wanna read one more scripture and it's in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter three. It's towards the end of the Bible, just a few books from the last. And in chapter three, we're gonna start in verse one. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And we see just like the word in James 4, 8, it said, move closer to God. This says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. It's another choice that we make. I can choose to set my sight on heaven or I can choose to set my sight on the things of this world. Verse three, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. So stop craving the things of this world. Stop craving those sinful things. Verse 7. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature, nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I don't just know him automatically. I have to learn to know him. I have to learn what his voice sounds like. I have to learn what it, what it is when he speaks to me through his word. I have to learn what it sounds like whenever he, his Holy Spirit whispers a thought to me. I have to learn to crave the things of God. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.